Welcome to Retirement Plan Playbook. The crew is back, ready for a great show. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about strategies to reduce your taxes. And to be honest with you guys, the only time I like talking about taxes is when it's about saving money. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, then it's just a lot more of a positive conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think everybody dreads tax time. And so if it's about saving money, though, I'm all for that. Me too. So I'm Brent Pasqua, founder of RPA Wealth Management. I'm here with Matthew Thiel, certified financial planner, and Joshua Winterswike, certified financial planner. So let's get into some of these topics in a second about, you know, some of the strategies you can use to reduce your social security taxes. But as we get into that, uh, obviously spring is here. Birds are starting to chirp. Uh, and that means baseball season. Are you guys excited for baseball season? It came fast, huh? I, um, but yeah, I'm very excited. Baseball season started. It was good to watch it on TV. I know they got the fans back this year at all the games, um, which is really cool to see. And hopefully, you know, they have a good season. And, uh, you know, go Angels. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I think it, seeing fans in the stands um, yesterday at the opening day and seeing those ceremonies, it, you know, really uh, was nice to see. And looking forward to, you know, flipping the TV and seeing baseball on TV and potentially even going to a game this summer. So I'm excited. Do all stadiums have different capacity restrictions? Is that what it is? Yeah, like I was watching the Rockies-Dodgers game. And outside of the first few rows, for some reason, there wasn't a lot of people sitting in those. But the rest of the stadium looked like it was, you know, packed. Is Texas 100%? I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah. That's my understanding. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah they are all uh, got different regulations all over, which would be kind of cool for the, the players, too, you know, to be now playing back in front of their fans. I'm sure that feels good for them. Yeah, actually, uh, Mike Trout was getting interviewed after the Angel game, and that's what he said, that the fans, you know, even though there's only like 10,000 there because it's so tight here in California, he was saying just that 10,000 was making enough noise that it was fun and, you know, motivating. It should make the game more exciting. You know, last year was kind of a little bit more, it was obviously boring without fans. I mean, it's nice to have fans there. Yeah, really nice. And then, you know, Josh and I could get back to LAFC. Coming up here in a week or two. So yeah, I think great. the only thing that baseball could probably do to make it more exciting is just tell the pitchers to hurry up. <laughs> yeah, put a time limit on the Jeez. game. <laughs> 20 some, seconds. They had some really cool rules last year that they should have implemented. Like, you know, the runners um, starting on second base for um, extra innings yep. and then also the designated hitter in the NL. I think they got rid of both those rules. So they should have just kept them because, like, you know, they got to make the game exciting, but it seems like they just want to make it boring. Did they keep the pitchers got a pitch to three batters like they did last year? I don't know. You know who would probably know that answer is our intern, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah, we got to ask him. Those are all good questions. I didn't know that they switched all of those back to from last year. So I liked all of the changes to speed up the game and make it more fun, but I guess baseball did it. Baseball's strategy is let's make it as boring as possible. (laughs) Drag it out as long as we can go. Extra, extra, read all about it. Let's hear the latest hot takes on some recent news items. All right, so let's get into hot take headlines. Krispy Kreme announced you'll actually get a free donut for everybody who shows proof of vaccination every day this year. What's sort of your thought on this? Is this one of the first corporations to come out with something like this? It's the first one that I've seen. I think it's really uh, cool, and I think we'll probably see more of this. It's a shame the government can't, you know, provide incentives for people to get vaccinated. You'd think they would, but again, here's a private corporation having to do it, do the government's job. Um, Really cool. You know, maybe I'll go get a donut once I get my vaccine. I don't Uh, believe you. (laughs) Krispy Kremes are good. 
but we'll probably see more of this. I'm sure more corporations will step up and offer, you know, incentives to uh, for people to get vaccinated and help in the pandemic. I think also, you know, you saw it was um, corporations giving you know, employees time off as well to like go get vaccinated and kind of incentivizing them to get a vaccine. So again, you know, leave it to these corporations to implement some of these incentives. But I think it's positive. I mean, if it can bring light to, you know, helping save more lives and getting more people vaccinated all for it. And maybe uh, Matt will have to go grab a Krispy Kreme once we're all fully vaccinated. That'll be fun. And I think it brings attention to them, right? The company and it gives incentives for people to go through there, obviously. So I mean, it's kind of a cool idea. I guess it keeps them up to date, really, with what's going on. Boost sales, too, because if you have kids, right, they, they're not vaccinated yet, so you go get your free donut, you got to pay for your kids. Yeah, you're not getting yourself just a, a donut. And I doubt, yeah, you're not, you're <laughs> going to buy a dozen donuts. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get in the second one. Joe Biden unveiled his long-awaited infrastructure bill. We have $621 billion for surface transportation. $400 billion for caring for elderly and disabled Americans, $300 billion for domestic manufacturing, along with hundreds of billions of dollars for other efforts. It also includes a series of tax increases on companies, including raising the corporate tax to 28% from what was before 21%. The White House said would cover the cost of spending for about 15 years. What's your thoughts on this? Uh, this is a difficult one to unpack. We we obviously don't have a ton of information here on, on what's included, but the numbers are ginormous. And, you know, one has to ask, is this necessary? Um, the government's pretty inept at getting things like this done. It's probably better if, you know, this is left to private companies to build and, you know, get America that infrastructure it badly needs. I just have so many more questions. I mean, this is the first real news about his infrastructure plan the first time we're reading into it so you know my thoughts are i'm gonna need to to dig under the hood a little bit further before i have a a really good opinion on this infrastructure plan um and i I think it's also going to be difficult to get something that big passed as well so we'll see what what actually happens but again i have i have just so many more questions a couple of the things I've been seeing um, on the headlines once this came out was a lot of blue senators got together and basically said, hey, we're not going to vote for this unless um, the SALT deductions are put back in, which that would help a lot of middle class families and um, upper middle class families who live in blue states. So that would be great, especially for those of us who live in California. Um, and then the other thing, I think, you know, the, the big reaction um, on the, the other side of the table, right, the Republicans, because this is obviously political. Is oh this you know things like this are going to cause inflation, so then the next question you should ask yourself is what is inflation and is it bad, and you know most people just say inflation's bad, but you know I, I think kind of the jury's out on that. Like being a money guy, the thing that I would want to know the most though is I want to know where every penny is going, and that not one single contract that they're issuing out for this work is going to be being overpaid for. I think that's the thing that would drive me crazy is they're just handing out money to companies and making companies rich by doing this. Yeah, it'd be so much better actually is if, you know, say they put it to the private companies to to do this or if they create a corporation, call it the America Infrastructure Corporation and it's a quasi-private corporation and, you know, people can invest money in it and then, you know, they get to reap the benefits of this actually happening. But what's going to end up happening is 
you know, nothing's going to, the bill's going to get passed. All this money is going to go to a bunch of developers and contractors and nothing's going to get done after that. They're all going to be rich. There's going to be no new highways, no, no high speed trail um, trains, nothing. Yeah. How much is actually going to infrastructure? I guess that's where my questions come from is show me a, another bill that we've had every dollar accounted for, like you just said, Brent, where all of our taxpayer dollars are going towards what you said they were. I want to get more detailed, more in depth. I have these questions about making sure that if you're saying this is an infrastructure build, it's going to benefit America and prove that to the American people. Imagine if they made Elon Musk the CEO of the American Infrastructure Corporation. Everybody would be lining up to give, give him money and he'd actually get the job done. But you know, I just don't think that anything that goes to the government like this is actually going to get done. I think the frustrating part for me too is it seems like it's almost the most lazy way to get something funded. It's just like, oh, well, let's just tax corporations. And it's the easiest way to get more money. Yeah, that, that is too. And, and the thing with you know, being a corporation is it's a, it's a fake tax, right? Because most of the large corporations are going to always find a way around it because they, they hire teams of accountants and spend you know, a billion dollars plus on you know, learning the, the corporate tax code. And they'll probably move more money offshore into tax havens. And you know, we'll end up where people say, oh, Amazon doesn't pay any tax. And we're in the same cycle. And it's just really hard for this to be a headline for so many companies that have struggled through over the last year. I know there's been a little bit of aid through some of the stimulus package, but there's a lot of corporations that aren't doing well. And then, you know, now to come out, I know it's part of their agenda, but now to come out and say, we're going to raise the tax by 7%, you know, it's just going to be another hit to these corporations that aren't doing very well. Yeah. I mean, it seems, you know, as this pandemic is hopefully coming to an end, now to hit corporations with higher tax rates seems not like maybe the best strategy. Now that we've warmed up with some hot ticks, let's go to the retirement planning corner and see what's on the docket for today. All right, let's get to the retirement planning corner. Today's retirement planning corner is all about really strategies that rich people use to reduce their tax bill. I think, you know, that's what we want to know the most. Lots of strategies need to be put into place before the calendar year ends, which I think is important. So don't think of these as strategies you can implement for the 2020 tax season. Think of them as strategies you can really implement if you want to save money next year. Josh, what's the first strategy we have on deck today? The first strategy is retirement account contributions. So when we talk about retirement accounts, just a few examples. We have 401ks, 457 accounts. These are employer-sponsored plans, just a couple examples there. Then we also have IRAs um, and Roth IRAs. These are all going to be types of retirement accounts. So we can contribute into these retirement accounts. And what that's actually going to do is lower your income, saving you effectively money in taxes. So... Um, in 2021, you can actually save up to $6,000 um, in retirement contributions in an IRA. And if you're over the age of 50, you can add another $1,000, bringing your total IRA contribution to $7,000. That's effectively lowering your income by $7,000. So you don't have to pay taxes on that $7,000 contribution if you're over 50. So again, just a really good strategy to hold on to some of that money because that money's going from you earning it and you're holding on to it in the form of putting it into a retirement account and then you reap the taxable um, advantage of doing so. You know what bugs me is when I hear somebody complaining about taxes. Oh, I'm paying this and that in taxes. Government's taxing me left and right. And then, you know, maybe you look at your tax, their tax return or, or you work with them and you start asking questions and it's like, okay, well, how much are you contributing, you know, to your 401k or IR? Oh, I'm not contributing or, only con or I'm only contributing, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Right. 
And it's like, well, here's, you know, a tax saving strategy that you could use. It's going to save you a boatload of money and you're not taking advantage of it. Uh, it just really bothers me when people complain about taxes, but don't realize that, hey, there's a really simple strategy that, you know, the government has put in place for you to better yourself in the future and save money now. And you're not taking advantage of it. I think it's mental accounting for a lot of people. Making an IRA contribution is taking money from your front pocket and putting it into your back. You know, if you're under 59 and a half, you obviously you're not going to be able to get that money back out of the IRA for quite some time without a tax sort of penalty on it. So to take that money out of your bank account and then put it into your IRA, you know you're kind of putting it in your back pocket. But it does provide such a substantial savings and putting it to your back pocket just means it stays there now. It's it's back there and you're getting more back as a tax benefit for doing it. So I don't know why there is such a hesitation to make those contributions as well. It's the same with 401k though too, right? I mean, it should just be deducted from your check. It's money you never saw and you're saving for the future. Oh, and you're saving on taxes. And most of the time in your 401k, when you increase your contributions because it's pre-tax, it's not affecting your net check by very much, right? right? That's the common like theme we see when we recommend 401k to increase contributions is, you know, oh, it didn't actually affect my net pay too much. You're getting a really, really good tax benefit, you know, from that. And like you said, you get to hold on to the money. It's not like the money's going somewhere else. It can be invested. And there's also reasons that you can actually take from there if you did need it in an emergency. If that was your biggest concern, you know, for emergencies or like even a first-time home buyer could withdraw from an IRA penalty-free. So, you know, there are strategies that if that is your only worry, like let's look into those further because, again, you're getting able to hold on to that money and it's going to be there for your future. And if potentially you need it for any reason in between, there are some rules and um, that are in place that potentially you can get it out of that account penalty free. Can you still make your 2020 IRA contribution? You can. Yeah. Up until May 15th. Um, a good way to save money if you're eligible for an IRA. Yeah. So there still is a way that potentially you could save money for 2020, correct? Yep, absolutely. So you can um, actually contribute for last year and just consult with whoever's preparing your taxes and making sure you can actually contribute to an IRA because there are some rules about if you're eligible to contribute. And if you can, you can still save money um, on your taxes for 2020. Do you have an opinion on why people should, when they're looking at making their 401k contributions, they should really establish what they're going to put in for the year early on in the year versus later in the year? Well, that's where getting a tax plan um, would come into play, right? So it's probably something you should do around the January, February timeframe, or even in the spring after, you know, you've hit your tax bill. But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you need to look at how, how much you're saving per year, and then you want to get your income under certain thresholds. So I think the big threshold to be under coming up for the high earners is going to be 400000 And, you know, with a lot of these things we're seeing with President Biden come across, it seems like 400000 is going to be the magic number. So you should have an idea of what your income is going to be heading into that next year, right? Because you have your W-2, you kind of know what your bonus range is going to look like once you talk to your company. You should be doing everything in your power to make sure your income is staying below 400000 And 401k contributions are a great way to do that with the 19.5 um, if you're under 50 and then the 26 if you're over 50. Yeah, I think, and one of the other things that I think can get lost sort of in translation is if you don't do contributions, let's say for the first three quarters of the year, and then you're like, oh, wait, I got to make my 401k contributions. There's that not that many paychecks in the last quarter where you're going to be able to dump in the max, you know, 24,000 or so into your 401k plan, right? So you have like a real challenge trying to get all of that money into your 401k plan. 
in that last quarter. Yeah, absolutely. It's a that's a good point because it's correlated to your earned income. So you can only defer what you're actually bringing in each, let's say, biweekly or monthly in income. So yeah, you're in a mad dash to max out your 401k contributions in that last quarter. You might not even be able to get to the max. I may not be left with much net income because, you know, you're deferring so much. So definitely plan. The sooner you plan, the better. Right. And I think, you know, and that's how it's very different than the IRA contribution, right? The IRA contribution, you could still make up until May 15th for for the previous year. 401ks doesn't work like that. The end of the year clocks over whether you put in or not, you know, there's no time to go back and put it all in. It has to be done by paycheck. So get those contributions early in the year and spread them out. I agree. It's a good point. Uh, the second one on here for a, a tax saving strategy is tax loss selling. Matthew, why don't you get into this for us? All right. So tax loss selling is, you know, let's say you're managing a portfolio of investments for yourself and it's in an after-tax brokerage account. And what you could do is you could sell the positions you've lost money on and get a deduction from your income on your tax return. And the deduction is capped at 3000 So, you know, it's relatively small. But for the most part, if you're trading stocks, investing in ETFs, um, owning mutual funds, you sh- most likely have something that's lost money and you should be you know, putting that loss on your return. I analyze a ton of portfolios and I see people you know, with five, six you know, different losing positions and I'm like, well, why wouldn't you tax loss sell these? You, you could buy them back in, in 60 days. Is it 60 or 30 days, Josh? I think it's 60, right? Well, to avoid a wash sale, I believe it's... 30. Is it 30? I could be wrong. Let me look that up. Yeah, look that up. Um, so what, what a wash sale would be is you could actually buy the, the stock back. It's either in 60 or 30 days. 30 days. 30 days. Confirmed. So you have to wait 30 days and you could buy the same position back. So you get the tax loss and you could buy it back. I mean, it's probably not going to go up that much in 30 days if it's down, you know, anyways, and you lost a lot of money on it. Um, so a great strategy that's really underutilized by people who are doing, you know, the active trading, the Robin Hooding, that kind of investing. When should somebody look at doing this? Should they do it at the beginning of the year, mid-year, at the end of the year? Like when's a prime time to, to do tax loss harvesting? When you have a position that's lost money. Right? That's the best time to do it. Because, I mean, you could do it on, say you pick a stock on you know, January 1st and it falls 20% and you're down $5,000 by March 1st. I mean, you could sell it, reap the benefit, buy it back on April 1st. Yeah, or even buy a different investment. Let's say you didn't even like that fund or you didn't like that investment. What a great way to get out of that position. Save some, you know, potentially save some money on taxes by, you know, declaring that loss and then get into a new position. I think it's a, you know, good to always be analyzing your portfolio. But like Matt said, when there's a loss and we can use that strategy, let's, let's take it and get the, the tax benefit from doing so. Should people reach out to their advisor if they don't know how to do that themselves for this type of advice? Yeah, absolutely. You should always, you know, reach out to your advisor or even a, a CPA could probably help you. I mean, they're not going to give you investment advice because they legally can't. But um, an investment advisor can give you that investment advice and they'll, they'll be able to walk you through how to do it. So how do people find out like what their gain and losses are and what are they looking for in their portfolio t- to determine where the losses are at? If you look in your portfolio, you'd go to the cost basis and then you'll see. And if you're, you're down, it's usually, you know, red and it'll tell you, you know, you're down, you know, 3,000, 3, 10,000, 5,000, whatever it is. And if they have more than 3,000, then what happens? It gets carried over the next year. So not only just a benefit for that year, but for the years following. Yeah. And, and what's important about that too, is you got to make sure you note that to your CPA so they know to carry that over um, into that next tax season. 
can it get more complex if you have some gains in your portfolio and then you have some losses and you want to start making some changes in your portfolio, but you want the tax loss to total out? That's the best case scenario because then you could sell some of your winners and then sell some of your losers and you, you can net it out and you don't pay any tax at all. Yeah, I think it's one of those strategies that you know have to be analyzed on an ongoing basis because really as part of the tax plan, I mean, I think it should be implemented. Yeah. And I think that one important thing is it is, you know, for the, the tax year. So again, you know, if you aren't doing it throughout the whole year, make sure you are at least looking at that portfolio, you know, in December, you want to get those tax losses right before the end of the year. So you can take advantage. Matt, tell us about the other way that we can save money. Are you talking about tax credits? Yes, please. All right. So here's the thing. The two strategies we talked about before the retirement account law contributions and um, tax loss selling they are deductions from income. So you get to, it's kind of what people think write-offs are, right? So it deducts your taxable income. So if you have, you know, $100,000 of income, but you do a $5,000 IRA contribution, now your income's 95,000. Exactly. And then if you had the $3,000, there's another 8,000. So now you're down to 92,000. That said, there's actually a much more powerful strategy to reduce your taxes and it's called a tax credit. It is by far the best um, tax reduction strategy there is. And so what a tax credit is, is everybody at the end of the year with the amount of money you made has what we call um, essentially your taxes, right? Let's call it you know, 40,000, 50,000, whatever it is. It's how much that you paid in taxes. A tax credit will directly reduce your taxes owed. So it's more powerful than an income write-off. So I pulled some of the tax credits and there's really three to four main ones. The first is going to be the one, the Tesla credit, right? Your electric vehicle credit. You want to know why a bunch of millionaires or, you know, high earners are driving Teslas? Because the tax credit was $10,000. So it made the, the Tesla a lot cheaper. Plus they don't have to pay for gas. The car looks nice. It's that electric vehicle tax credit. You could also get them on Priuses. I did one myself. I got an $8,000 tax credit. Um, it was really nice. They have to be new, right? They do have to be new, yeah, so you can't buy it used. Is this a selling point to your spouse? (laughs) Well, actually, we're in the new car market, and I want to do it again because it's such a great tax reduction strategy. I want to get her an electric SUV Yeah, because we're going to save so much money. Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess that's, you know, every listener who's ready to go home and really wants a Tesla or electrical car, I mean, that's the way to sell it to your, your spouse, right? Absolutely. But I also think, you know, then it does have to be factor in when you're comparing different vehicles. If you know one vehicle is electric and it's going to offer you that plug-in electric drive motor credit, then you need to factor in that cost savings, right? To actually be able to compare apples to apples between the different vehicles. Like I know Matt, you did, and you know that was something that you really researched when you bought your Prius. Is you know how much you're actually spending when you actually calculate that tax credit into the situation. And here's the other thing I did, and you could take this a step further. I mean, I'm a financial planner, so I could do my own tax planning. But when you're having a high income year, go meet, get your tax plan done because it turned out that buying an electric vehicle essentially made it that all this money I had made, I didn't owe any tax on because I timed it perfectly in this year. Yeah, really important. So there's not only electric vehicles though. I mean, kids give you a tax credit. What Um, kind? The the same. It's, uh, was it two grand, 2,500 per child? So you get, you know, your, it's up to 3600 3600 Wow. So you get $3,600, you know, per kid. 
Does this mean we should have more kids? <laughs> I, I didn't want to overlook though, because just another we call them like the the green tax credits, like your the vehicle you did, but then also solar has that as well. So there's other like different green tax credits out there. So definitely, you know, with your homeowner, look into those as well. Just Tank, wanted to touch on that water heater too. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that before you move on to the child tax credit. But I think that's another good way. If, you know, you're upgrading home or looking at solar and stuff like that, is to look into those tax credits as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, the tankless water heater one's small, but you can you can get one for that right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then so we got the kids right, thirty five hundred per kid, thirty six hundred, thirty six hundred. Sorry, Josh, you're the numbers guy. And <laughs> then um, there's also the learning credits, right? If you want to go get edu- education, you want um, to either do finish up that college degree, or you want to get another degree, or uh, you know a master's degree, you could look into the uh, American Opportunity Tax Credit and the Lifetime Learning Tax Credit, both of which will you know increase that tax base, but then also hopefully increase your income because you're going out and getting that education you need to maybe get promoted. So buy an electric vehicle, have a kid, <laughs> and um, and then get some education, and I think you got yourself a well-rounded tax year. <laughs> you're going to save money and a lot of taxes. I think these are just really good trigger events. So, you know, if you're planning to have a child, well, I'm looking into a tax credit because, you know, cost it'll probably go increase. It will increase in your household, right, if you're going to have a child. But some of that might be offset by a tax credit. But if you're going to go buy a car, know that there are some tax credits out there. And then also as a homeowner, you know, looking into all of the tax credits that are out there for upgrading any sort of green power efficiency to your home. So I just think these are all really, really good tips, um, you know, that if you didn't know already to, to be researching and looking out for if you're, any of these trigger events in your life are happening. Can I, before we move on to the recommends, can I just uh, say one more thing that bugs me about people with taxes is a, another pet peeve I have is people tell me about write-offs. And let me tell you, there is no such thing as a tax write-off. It's your own money. You're spending it one way or the other, right? If you're getting um, a write-off because you lost money in the stock market, well, you lost money and they're giving you a benefit. Right. It's probably not a good thing. Um, there is no such thing as write-offs. So please stop, stop saying write-offs. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, you bet at the casino and you lost money and you're writing it off, then... You still lost money. You still, <laughs> you, you still lost money. Who are you writing off to? You think there's a government? You think there's like an agency sitting back at the government being like, "Oh yeah, that's an acceptable write-off." You know? No, it's your own money that you spent in one way or the other. They're just giving you a slight benefit for it. <laughs> I think on that show, um, a really good skit. You could probably find it online, but on Shit's Creek, yeah, there like is a, a parody about it, like a. Um, or a skit about it, about write-offs and like um, the son actually not understanding. He's like, well, I get to just write it off. It goes away. And the dad says like, who pays for it? He's like, I don't know. I got to write it off. <laughs> Look that up if you haven't seen that. It's pretty funny. The show's called Shit's Creek. Does um, electric vehicles still have carpool access though? They do. It depends which one you buy. Um, it's constantly changing. It'll depend on what state you live in. Um, and then each electric vehicle, I think, only gets a certain allotment of carpool stickers. So, like, for instance, I believe Teslas might be out of their carpool stickers. Got it. And I actually have a hybrid and mine did not qualify. It has to be fully electric, correct? It has to be able to run for a certain amount of mileage on electric only. So, like, my, my Prius can do, like, 35 miles on electric, so it qualified. Save money, save time, electric vehicle. And stop talking about write-offs. One last strategy, uh, really quick, going back to the contribution to 401k, I just want to bring up one option uh, that people can do because I think it's a a good possible option. 
Let's say you have, and I've seen it come across with a lot of clients before. Let's say you have, you're working, you have $100,000 of after-tax money in the bank, and you're not making a 401k contribution, and you don't think that your income can support it. Take $1,000 a month from that after-tax money that's sitting in your savings account, and pull that over to your checking account once a month, and then take $1,000 from your paycheck and put it into your 401k plan. You're offset, you're keeping your income basically the same, and you're getting money into your 401k and then you're saving money in taxes. Just kind of a way to switch buckets of money from one pocket to the other, but it's a very helpful way to also save money. So with the different amounts of money that you have in different places you have it, there's quite a few different strategies on the way that you can kind of work it out so your money can go into your 401k. Oh, I have one more pet peeve. Don't get mad at your tax guy because you have a high tax bill. I agree. (laughs) That means something is wrong with your tax plan. It's not your tax guy's job to lower your tax bill. Right. The, 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 the game's already over, right? By the time you go get your taxes done, the game's over. Well, and that's, uh, I guess, talking about pet peeves. It's like, I want a big, huge refund. Well, I don't. That means the government's holding on to my money for me. I'd rather have my rate. money in my pocket or being investing or savings in it. So I don't want a, uh, a big refund. I think the goal for taxes, when we're talking about it, you want to break even. Yeah, absolutely. No penalties. You want all your money back. You yep. want to break yeah. even. Maybe you write like a small check to the feds and then you get like a little state bonus or vice versa, but you don't, you don't want a big refund and you don't want to owe a lot. Yeah, the no. perfect tax plan is breaking even. Yeah, I agree. It's time for RPA Recommends. All right, let's get into the last segment of the show. Uh, let's go into the RPA Recommends. Matthew, what do you have for us today? Um, well, Brent, it's early April here as we're recording this show, 2021, and you know a lot of people have been um, stuck in this world of fear for the last year, and we've had a lot of restrictions put on us that a lot of us have never faced as Americans before, but like you said, the spring is here, the sun is out, and restrictions are being lifted all across the country, despite what you hear on the mainstream news. Uh, coronavirus cases are plummeting, vaccines are increasing. I think like almost 30% of the population has received at least one shot. Coronavirus is disappearing. Get out and do something you haven't done in over a year. Whatever it is, you know, attend a sporting event, go to a theme park, um, gather with friends you haven't seen, um, you know, take your life back. Yeah, I, I think it just gives people that sense of normalcy again. And the feeling of just that social interaction that we've all been missing so much for the last year. Yeah, I agree. Live, live life like it's 2019, not 2020. Yeah, good, good recommendation, Matt. It's just been such a tough year. It's a great, great recommendation. Um, mine comes from gearing up now that, you know, just like you had said, Matt, um, you know, with all the vaccinations happening, numbers coming down, people are probably gearing up to go back to work in some sort of capacity in the, here in the near future. And so um, I know we had upgraded a little bit of our equipment kind of preparing for that as well. So my recommendation is wireless keyboard and mouse, um, which I'd always have had a wireless mouse, um, but I upgraded a keyboard and it is a game changer. I didn't know how bad my keyboard was before. Um, So if you don't have that already, I might just really be behind, um, you know, everyone else. But upgrading the keyboard felt really good. I like it. Wireless. Go out and get one. So if you're in a hybrid situation, you have home office and a office office, are you trying to have the same keyboard? Yes, I am. Yeah, that's the next step. So I only have one wireless keyboard right now. I'm going to need two. So is this another expense coming down the pipeline? Brent, just think of it like a write-off. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a write-off. It's a write-off. I'm going to need a new, new keyboard. Uh, I have a, a recommendation. So a couple of weeks ago, I turned 40. 
and I, I crossed over that pivotal age, which was extremely uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm there now, and, I, and I'm mentally I've moved past it. But we had an outdoor gathering, which was really nice. Everyone, mostly everybody there was vaccinated, except for a handful of kids that were there. And so it was very comfortable to do that. We took you know, all the proper precautions. But in doing it, we wanted to do something different for food. So we hired a company called Kalana Kitchen. And a friend of mine from high school owns the company, and he's a sushi chef. And he basically made rolls, prepared rolls, and would do custom rolls for anybody who was at the party. He had a whole sushi station set up. He had pre-made rolls. He had rolls that he, that he made that day already that, while he was there. And then rolls that you could order while you're standing there. And it was a different type of vibe of food, which was a great experience, I think, for guests to be able to, to do something completely different. You know, Brent, I happen to be in attendance at this party, and I can confirm that a sushi chef was game changer at a gathering. It was uh, very nice. It was, it was really nice. I happened to be at, I got an invitation to this party too, and um, it, it was just so different. Um, different experience, which was really nice. The food was excellent, um, and you know, both me and my wife had just a great experience, uh, and the food was delicious. So I, I back this recommendation. I think what's cool too is you know we all have done like a lot of the traditional types of either catering or foods, but to do some other kind of experience for people that are coming together, I thought it was just a great way to kick off a little normalcy. So it was nice. It was absolutely. All right, so as we kind of close out, any parting thoughts, Matt, Josh, tax credits, tax savings? Uh, you know, put the tax plan in now to save you money next year. If you owe money on taxes, it's your fault, not your CPAs. Um, you know, hire a planner, do the work, and your tax bill will decrease. I agree. Close end to that. Um, and, you know, you want to break even. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah, don't, you know, your tax guy's busy right now. Don't try to do tax planning from, or, or tax guy's busy till the middle of may maybe give them till june start doing tax planning don't we talk to them in november call your advisor do tax planning with them get the toll team involved to do tax planning don't wait till next year to do it because you aren't going to save money that way as advisors we we really love helping people that's why we do it more importantly than any of that we love helping people save money uh, if you'd like to schedule an appointment with any of us please go to rpawealth.com and schedule a complimentary consultation with any of us and you can also download our ebook from our website if you'd like a copy of the show notes, you can go to retirementplanplaybook.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.